Father God, we thank you, Lord. We praise you for who you are, for what you do in our lives. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate Independence Day as we spend this weekend with our families, those of us that aren't here in church, but they're still gathering together with their families. Lord, I pray in the middle of all that, they remember the one who set us free from sin and the power of sin. Lord, we just thank you that Jesus is our true liberator, our true savior. He's the one who is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It all starts and ends with him. He, he has created the visible and the invisible world. He is the image, the visible image of the invisible God. We praise you, we glorify you, and Lord, thank you for being great. Thank you for teaching us and showing us and placing in us what great looks like and what great is. We glorify you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, give God a praise offer. You guys are welcome to have a seat. I want to welcome all of you guys. Thank you. I know a lot of guys are watching online because here, obviously, July 4th falls on a weekend. So there's a lot of people that are taking advantage of a three or four day weekend. So I hope in the middle of all that you're doing, that you're enjoying time with your family, but also spending time with the Lord. And I'm glad you guys are here today. Um, before I finish today's series, because today's the end of this, this 12 part series, I, I want to real quickly remind you what we're going to start on next week. All right, so next week we're going to start a new series titled My Wisdom. And just what, and again, why, why do we use my church, my faith, my wisdom? The pronoun my comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. It's the only time he uses the word church. So Jesus is building the church. And remember, Jesus doesn't build mortar and brick. He builds souls and spirits. He builds you. Jesus is always building you, right? So when we talk about my faith, Jesus is basically, we're, we're, what we're trying to teach you is this is the faith that Christ puts in you. It's his given to you. So that's what we've learned in this whole series. So next week, we'll start a six-part series on my wisdom, the wisdom of God. What, what are the things that God wants you to have in your life. So as a coach, I like my players to have everything they need to be ready to win. So you've got to have the proper equipment, right? You, you, you gotta have, you, you've got to have the proper training. You've got to have the proper mindset. And, I just, and you have to have the proper skills. But not only do you have to have the proper mindset, proper skills, proper mind, all of that, proper training, you, you have to also have the proper way of living when you're not playing, but you're going to play next week. So if you've got a game next week, there's certain things you sacrifice today to try to achieve and gain a, for lack of a better word, an advantage before you go into the battlefield. And coaches use battlefield, but we're not fighting with bullets, real bullets. We just use that, that, that warrior mindset. Well, if, if that's important and necessary in the corporate world, in the educational world, in the competitive world, even more so in the spiritual world. So for the next six weeks <clears throat> after today, I'll start talking about what does the Bible say about wisdom? What does it say about fear? What does it say about family? What does the Bible say about family? What does the Bible say about friends and wisdom? Wisdom with your family, wisdom with your fear, wisdom with your friends, then wisdom with your words. <laughs> Got to show up to that one, especially those of y'all that are married. Just kidding. Um, wisdom with your words, oh Lord. Wisdom with your work and wisdom with your wealth. All of that, learning how to live 
the Christian life. I think that's a very important thing to do. Um, I'm a firm believer in in learning what God has for you. Uh, A lot of people, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of people talk, oh, I wish I had this. Oh, I wish God would give me this. Oh, I wish I had that. And I understand that. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. But how many times have I said this? If you knew what you had, you would pray less and praise more. If you knew what you had in Christ, you would look at life differently. You'd have a different perspective. And that's what I hope I can teach you for the next six weeks. But today, I get to talk, finish probably my favorite theme in the Bible, which is faith. We've learned a lot about faith. We learned that faith listens, that faith obeys, that faith depends, that faith receives, that faith commits. We've learned a lot of things about faith. We've learned in Hebrews chapter 11 about these great men and women of faith. The two women that are mentioned out of the examples in the hall of fame of faith is is Sarah and Rahab. And we learned how powerful Rahab's story was last week. We've learned about, about Abel. We've learned about Moses. We've learned about Abraham. Joshua, we've, not Joshua, Jacob, Joseph. We learned about all these powerful and important people and they've given us example of what faith looks like and how important it is in our life. So I, I've really enjoyed teaching you that. Today I finish with how faith rewards us. And faith does bless you. But I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna be hard to hear sometimes because I, I think church teaches sometimes a little different message than what Jesus teaches because it wants to draw in people and I get it but but I'm going to try to help you understand the achievements of faith along with the agonies of faith because some people think that faith and hope are the same thing and they're not hope is different than faith We know that faith, hope, and love are important. The greatest of these is love. But I want to help you understand the difference between hope and faith. Hope is what I want. Like I hope tomorrow's going to be a wonderful day. I hope I don't have any problems. I hope everything's going to go great. It's a good thing to have. Hope is important to have. It helps you wake up every day. It helps you just move forward and, and, and don't ever lose your hope. No matter how bad it is, keep your hope. Like I hope, even though... My son has slept till three o'clock every afternoon. I hope tomorrow he wakes up earlier, right? You hope and, and don't lose your hope. Keep your hope. You know, I, as a teacher, I hope this student gets it. I want this. It, we all have hope. It's a great thing to have. Faith is different. If hope is what I want, faith is what helps me when I don't get what I want. Faith is what helps me keep moving forward and marching when I don't get what I want. So I want my kid to wake up at three, not at three o'clock in the afternoon, but at seven o'clock in the morning. I hope my son gets a job, my daughter. I hope my, my husband, whatever it is, right? You have your hopes and you have your dreams. But what faith does is faith helps you to move forward when you don't get what you hope for. And you keep moving on and you keep pressing on. And that's why I, I love faith. Faith is not, it's not this wonderful, all roses and petals and fuzzy bears and rainbows. It's not. Faith is a very important attribute to have in your life. 
I, I, I love people who have hope, but I really learn from people who have faith. The people who have faith, they have something different. They, they, they have a different perspective and they know that there's something wonderful in this life. Even though I don't get what I hope for, it doesn't diminish my faith because my faith is stronger than my hope. My faith is stronger than my dreams. My faith is stronger than my wants. My faith helps me to move on whenever, when it tells me, when everything else tells me to stop. So the best way I could describe it is my faith, the faith that God gives me, the faith that we learn in Christ gives us endurance. You know what endurance is, right? Endurance is strength. Endurance is stamina. Endurance is moving on when you feel like you don't want to move on. All right? It, it, faith leads into a very strong, disciplined life. Discipline is doing what you don't want, doing what you really struggle with until you start learning to like what you didn't want to help you have what you never had before. I hope someone wrote that down because I can't remember what I just said. All right, so I'm going to give you truth number one. The first truth I want to give you is this. Faith does not remove pain. This is the biggest misconception people have in church. The biggest misconception people have in church, man, when I accept Jesus, when I go to church, when I give my life to Christ, pastor says it's going to be wonderful. Yeah, it will be wonderful. But that doesn't mean it's going to be wonderful maybe today. That doesn't mean that, that when I accept Jesus, that he's going to take away all my obstacles. He's going to take away all my struggles. That's not what faith is. Faith basically says this. God's basically telling you, look, if you accept me, I will give you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then I will give you a strength you never had before as you go through the troubles you're going to have here in this world because you live in an evil world. You live in a competitive, destructive, diabolical, divisive world. So I am not going to change the world yet. I will at one point, but what I'm going to do is change you. And I'm going to change you and help you become stronger. And I'm going to help you through your pain. It's not the absence of pain. It's the strength in the middle of pain. That's what faith does promise. But it does not promise that it's going to remove your pain. I'm going to read to you something that Jesus says. It's nowhere on the notes. I'm just going to read it to you. It's in John chapter 16, verses 1, 2, and 3, and verse 33. So John chapter 16 is very powerful. All right, watch what it says. Jesus says, I have told you these things. He's telling his disciples. I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Time out. You mean, wow, what would make me abandon my faith? If you think that faith is going to remove all your obstacles, if you think faith is just going to make everything wonderful, that you're never going to have problems, some of you will go, ah, that's not what I signed up for. I'm going to accept Jesus as long as he removes everything from me that I don't like. It's not what Jesus says. But some pastors, some, some churches, some faiths, communities believe that. And people start going, hey, let's give you the prosperity gospel. Like, hey, if you accept Jesus, you name it, you claim it, you're going to get it. And you're going to have a bigger house. You're going to have bigger cars. You're going to have more commas in your paycheck. Everything's going to be wonderful. And by the way, give some of that money to the church. Hold on. 
I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. What things? Watch what he tells his disciples. For you will be kicked out of church. You'll be expelled from synagogues. And a time is coming. Watch what he tells his disciples. A time is coming when those who kill you, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're going to kill me? Those who kill you will claim that they're doing it as a holy service for God. What are you saying? What I'm telling you is this. There's going to be people in the synagogue that you grew up in, in the church that you grew up in that are going to kill you, and they're going to think they're doing it to honor God. You mean within my own family, within my own community? Jesus is saying yes. And why? This is because they have never known the Father. They've never known me. You mean they went to church and they never knew God? Yeah, they went to church and they never knew God. They went to church and they never knew Jesus? They went to church and they never knew Jesus. And they're going to kill you. Where do I sign up for that? Right? It sounds like my family reunion when we get together in Thanksgiving. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that deal. I'm worried about that deal. No. Watch, watch, what, watch what Jesus says at the very end of the chapter. He says, I have told you these things so that you will have peace, watch what he says, in me. Time out. Don't seek peace in this world because this world will not give you peace. What you're going to have is peace in me. In the middle of the world that you live in, in the middle of the chaos that you're in, in the middle of the confusion that you're in, in the middle of the implosion you're dealing with, in the middle of all of that, your peace is in me. So the faith that I will give you, the strength that I will give you is that the peace that you're looking for, you want me to remove your problems? No, no. The true peace is not the absence of problems. The true peace is tranquility in the middle of the problems, and I'm going to give you that. Give me praise offering for that. That should encourage you. That should make you go, wow, but pastor, I've always, coach, I've always thought, yeah, you, you, you got to read the words of Jesus. I'm telling you, when I read, when I read John chapter 16, verse 33, it puts my mind in the place it needs to be. It sets my heart in the place it needs to be instead of, well, I want God to do all this. Hey, God's already done a lot of things for me. The best thing he's done for me is I have peace in him. I do. Uh, and if I'm looking for the peace, that peace with my wife, this isn't a bad thing, or you're looking for it with your spouse, you're setting your spouse up for failure. That's not her role. Her role is not to give me peace. That's not, that's not her role. That's the role of Jesus Christ. Peace is found in Christ. And the more I walk with Christ and the more I have peace in Christ, in the middle of the pain, because you can have peace in the middle of the pain, the better you're going to be with all the relationships around you because you're a stronger person. So I'll go back to the scripture. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and many sorrows. Jesus is telling you right now, you're going you're to struggle here, but don't lose my peace, right? And then he says this, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That gives me a lot of strength to understand that as I read Hebrews chapter 11, 
as I go through all of Hebrews 11, as I go through Enoch, as I go through Abraham, as I go through Sarah, as, as I go through Noah, as I go through, through, through Isaac, as I go through Joseph, through, through, through Jacob, through Joseph, as I, as I look at Mo, Moses, as I look at, at um, Rahab, as I look at all these heroes of faith, you see all their achievements and you go, wow, that's what faith looks like. So teach me to learn to listen to you, Lord. Teach me to depend on you. Teach me to commit to you. Teach me to receive from you. Teach me to depend on you. Teach me that I want to learn to live in that faith. I want to walk in that faith. I want that peace that, that I can only find in you. So teach me how to live this life. Wonderful. Great thing. But what you're going to read, and I'm going to read to you here today, those are the achievements of faith. But I'm going to also read to you the agony of faith. Because you're going to find out like you know. Because you've asked this question. Well, if God is love, or people have asked you, if God is love and if God is good, why doesn't he remove all my pain? Why doesn't he, why do bad things happen to good people? Hello? And why do good things happen to bad people? That means God's not in charge. Ah, oh, no, no, no. No, no, you haven't read the Bible. What that means is your version of God doesn't fit the reality of this world. Your version of God doesn't fit the reality of this world. You want God to take everything away and make, make paradise. He will. He will. He just hasn't done it yet. So in the middle of it, instead of going, oh, this isn't fair, this isn't right. No, no, no. In the middle of it, understand Expect daily conflicts. I wake up every day knowing I'm going to be in a battle. I don't, know which, I don't know where it's coming. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know who's going to give it to me. Sometimes I give it to myself. Sometimes I'm my worst enemy. Right? And it's like, oh, it was me this time. I shot myself in the foot. Nobody did it. I did it to myself. And I'm mad at someone. And I, I, take it, I take the blame on someone else. It's me. I'm my, I, I, I look in the mirror, and that guy that looks back sometimes, that guy, oh, if I could just fix that guy. <laughs> right? So we all have that. So I know I have a battle every day when I wake up. And I know this is the wonderful thing. The reality of it is it's not going away. It's not. We're going to have agony here. And, again, that's why I love this picture. That's why this guy's praying. It's like, oh, we've all been there. We've all been, at the beginning of the prayer, this guy had no gray hair. In the middle of the prayer, poof, there it is, right? God, remove my pain. And, and we, we want him to. That's our hope. There's nothing wrong with having that hope. Don't, don't, don't. I, I want to live an optimistic, positive life. I want to have a perspective that things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. Because if I don't think that things are going to get better, then I'm going to get worse. So my hope is a great thing, but my faith kicks in when things don't get better. My faith says, God is still God. God is still in charge. God still loves me. God hasn't left me. God's going to see me through this to the other side. That's when your faith kicks in. Because as I'm going to read to you today, you're going to see that there's people in the Bible that had the same hope and had the same faith that we had. And instead of having achievements, they received agony. This isn't a fun message, but it's the reality. Let's read scripture. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. 
How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, of all these prophets. Time out. Look, I've given you 10 examples of what faith looks like. I can give you a whole lot more. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 33. By faith, these people, look at what they did by faith. Champions, right? They're champions of faith. They overthrew kingdoms. Wow, that's awesome. They ruled with justice. That's wonderful. And they received what God promised them. They even shut the mouths of lions. That's, that's like supernatural superheroes, right? They quenched the flames of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel shut the mouths of lions. And they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Wow, that's spectacular. Achievements of faith. Their weakness was turned to strength. Oh, Lord, give me that. That's what I want. Good, right? They became strong in battle like Samson. And they put whole armies to flight. Wow, Samson killed many people by himself. Look, women received their, lo their loved ones back again from the death. Oh, I want that life, Father. Time out. But others, time out. But others, with the same faith in the same God, with a hope that God would make things better, but others, they were tortured for their faith. Way, oh, whoa, way, oh. I like the first part, the achievements. Why are you talking about the agonies? No, they were tortured. They refused to turn from God in order to be set free. Look at the blue, truth. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. See, their hope was for no matter what you do, my hope is that this isn't my home, my home's up there. And if pain happens here, and if I'm tortured, or if I've got to choose between accept Jesus or die, this is where my hope kicks in and my faith kicks in, and my hope for what I have in heaven is greater than what I'm dealing with here and give me the faith to overcome the battles I'm dealing with today. Does that make sense to everybody? See, this is, this is the reality gospel. Nobody preaches on this. And this is why people abandon their faith because they only hear the good and don't understand the reality of, hey, sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes you're going to be mad at God. Oh, don't say that, Pastor. No, I've, I've been angry at God. I've been confused about God. I don't understand what he's doing. Sometimes I don't even like what God's doing in my life. But does that change my faith? No. Does that cloud my hope? No. It's just my emotions. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. It's just our frustration talking. It's just our, 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 our hesitation or our like, oh, Lord, you just, just oh, take this away. I'm not going to take it away. What? I'm not. This is what you're going to deal with here. Look at verse 36 and 37. Some were made fun of or jeered at. Watch. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Look at 37. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some were wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. Whoa, time out. That's in the Bible? Yes. That version of our walk 
That version of our faith is what Jesus says in verse 33 of John chapter 16. Hey, hey, find your peace where? In me. Don't look for peace in your circumstances. Don't look for peace within your spouse, thinking that she's going to make everything better. Maybe she does, but, but don't put it on her. Oh, he's going to make every, he's going to come in knight in shining armor. Nah, 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 nah. Don't be putting no knight and no shining and no armor on oars and thinking that he's going to solve everything. He's not. That's not where your peace is. Your peace is in Jesus Christ. Now, those of you that have been with me for a while, you hear this, you see this and go, yep, I get it, coach. You've talked about it for a long time. I understand it. Those of you that haven't, you, you haven't been here long, it's like, man, I, I, ooh, I don't know if I've ever heard this. It's in the Bible. I, I, I'm here to teach the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what I'm here to teach. I'm required to teach that. But in the middle of the good, the bad, and the ugly, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can you give me a praise offering for that? See, that's, that's where you kind of see it. That's where you see, look, in the good and the bad and the ugly, you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means you've never left me, you're not leaving me, and you're never going to leave me. You're gonna, my peace is, was in you yesterday, my peace is in you today, and my peace is going to be in you tomorrow, no matter what I face. See, these people who were martyred and killed and sawed in half, these people who, were, who, who face all the things that Jesus said, those that are going to kill you, what? Those that are going to kill you, a day will come that they will kill you, and they'll say that they did it in the name of God, but they never knew me. You're going to be betrayed by people within your own family, within your own community. But don't put your peace in the church. Put your peace in me, Jesus says. Don't put your hope in your pastor. Put your hope in Jesus. Put it in him. And that's what will help you get through life. That's why I love talking about faith. Faith is not just cheerleading. Faith is training. Soldiers are amazing. Soldiers are amazing. Soldiers are wonderful. They, when they go through boot camp, they go through training, what they're trying to do is break them down to break their mindset of comfort to this mindset of get comfortable being uncomfortable. Have an edge. Be prepared for the unprepared or for, for, the, unser, for, the, for the things that you don't, you're not in a civilian life anymore. You are, you, are, you are in a sense of emergency all the time. Perfect timing, by the way. Your, your senses should be heightened. They should be heightened because you got to understand every day you're in it. Every single day. So once, once there's an emergency, there's a sense of urgency. And the soldier is prepared, prepares themselves every day for a sense of urgency. It do, they don't know how to turn it off. It's hard for them when they come to the civilian life and go, okay, how do I turn this off? It's not easy. It's very difficult. A great soldier is always prepared for the battle that hasn't come yet. Do you understand that? So I'm going to get on my soapbox just for 20 seconds and I'll get off. This is an opinion. Okay? I'm going to say that. I don't usually give opinions. This may be more of my, my opinion. And this is why I think we as a church, not, not us, 
the big C church, the church of Jesus Christ. Does Jesus want an audience or does Jesus want an army? See what I'm saying? We're sons and daughters of Christ, right? We're also soldiers of the light. And so we need to train as soldiers. We need to be prepared for the battle that's coming. We should always have a sense of urgency and understand this is part of our life for the rest of our life. And it's not going to go away. Just like a soldier can't flip it off, we as Christians should be soldiers of Christ. And we're not here, we're not here to, to, to kill people. That's not what I'm saying. But, but we're here to defend the faith. But we're here to also to, to proclaim the name of Christ and the love of Jesus and have a soldier mindset. Instead of just a, hey, can we just come to church and just celebrate and then just live in celebration? That's great, but is that reality? I, I, I don't think it is. I'm off my soapbox. Truth number two. Faith in the middle of achievements and in the middle of agony, because you saw the heroes of faith, those that were great, had great lives and did wonderful things and those that died and were sought in half, Faith has something that the world can't give us. Faith has something better in store for us. I love this picture of this little girl. I showed you a picture of a man earlier with his head down going, oh, it's just, this is tough. But I love her eyes looking up into heaven going, okay, so my faith says in the middle of what I hope for not happen, in the middle of this that I'm dealing with, my faith is that no matter how bad it gets here, there's something waiting for me that's better. This is what helped these men and women who were sawed in half, who were killed by the sword, who, who, who were jeered and tortured and cut with their backs with whips. This is why they kept moving on because their eyesight was not here. Their vision and their perspective wasn't here. Their perspective is that they know there's something waiting for them. And this is my favorite thing. No matter, this is where my faith kicks in, right? No matter how bad it can get, no matter how bad it'll, it'll become in my life, if it happens, <clears throat> I know it's going to be great. I know it's going to be great. So what you're going to read here, I'm going to read to you something, is that what you're going to read, I'm going to read in the scripture in just a second, but let me kind of explain, is What Hebrews chapter 11 then says is, look, all these people, all these heroes of faith, all the ones that we've mentioned, you know, they didn't get all the promise, all the things that God promised them. Wait, what, what? They didn't get everything that God promised them. Wait a minute, but even, even Abraham, the father of faith, didn't get everything that God promised him? No. He didn't get everything that God promised him. Are you ready for this? You and I, no matter what we live here on this world, no matter how we live, hear me, we're not going to get everything that God has promised us here on this earth. What do you mean by that? There's things that God has promised us that are waiting for us in heaven. There are things that we want here that we're not getting here that we won't get here until we get to heaven. And it's not just us, it's the Old Testament saints, all these heroes of faith. They were waiting for something that they didn't get here because they know there's something waiting for them over there that's greater than anything they received here. Well, coach, what are those three things? So let's just talk about this before I answer that. 
I got to say something that I love about my mom's family. So, because this ties into all of this. You'll understand in just a second. So when we would always have Thanksgiving in my grandmother's house, we would all go, we would skip school one day. Don't tell my mom. She's back there. We would leave on, because back then, back then, when I was in school, you didn't have a whole week off for Thanksgiving. You just had Thursday and Friday off, right? That's all you had. So you just didn't go on Wednesday. We left early on Tuesday, and we would go to Dallas, and we'd all get together, and all, my, my, my mom has, there's 10 in the family. There's five brothers and five sisters, right? So we all get together, all of us are there, and I loved it. I loved it. It's like a big old Mexican family having a bunch of tamales and turkey, and we would all, it was great. It was like a, it was a huge venue. We would all get there, but here's the crazy part is none of us could eat. Until all of us got there. Ay, Dios mío. That was so frustrating. It's like, what time is everybody getting here? And none of us could eat until all of us got there. Why? Because grandma and grandpa had to give the prayer. And then we didn't want grandpa to pray. Because he would pray for 10 minutes. And it's like, we've waited for 10 hours. Grandma, can you pray? And she'd go, like, yes. And And then we would just tear it up. And we would eat everything, you know, Bones flying everywhere, just having a loving life, loving it. It was great, but we couldn't do anything until everybody got there. Why am I telling you this? There's things that happen to us when we die. Like if I, the Lord calls me home today and I die and I go straight to heaven, I go to heaven, I enjoy heaven, I'm with God, I'm in his presence, but there's, I'm not perfect yet. What do you mean you're not perfect yet? Because even though I'm with him, I'm with him in soul. I'm with him in spirit, right? I'm I'm with him. I'm in his presence, but there's some problems. The problems in heaven? Ah, just just hear me for a second. Not, Not so much problems in heaven, but things have not been completed yet in heaven. What do you mean things are not completed in heaven? Why? Why? Why hasn't? There's three things that we're waiting for. So when my grandfather and grandmother died and they went up to heaven because they're, they're in Christ, they're, they're not in their body, they're up with him in the presence with the Lord and all that, they're still waiting for something. They're waiting for three promises that haven't happened yet. I want you to hear this because when I die, when you die, just like when the old saints died in the Old Testament, they died, they haven't received everything. My grandmother and grandfather, as much as I love them, they haven't received everything. They're waiting for three R's. And I want you to understand what these are. Because when these three things happen, we will all be together. And we're going to have a feast like the turkey and the tamales in my grandmother's house. So we're waiting for everybody to get together. We're waiting for everything for all the saints of the Old Testament and the New Testament, those that are dead and those that are living, when we will all come together to the table of Christ. And that when those three things happen, we will, when those things happen, we get these three R's. And these are the three R's that, that the Old Testament saints that Abraham is waiting for because he hasn't received. As great as a man of faith that Abraham was, he's waiting for the same thing my grandfather's waiting for and my grandmother is waiting for. One, the first R. They're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. 
That is awesome. When Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, when he parts the sky like he parted the Red Sea and he comes from the heavens with his army down to this earth, all of heaven is waiting for that moment. And so are we. Why? Because when that moment happens, when the trumpet sounds in the twinkling of an eye, the second R happens, the resurrection of the bodies. So when the trumpet sounds and Jesus Christ comes down from heaven, all the souls of Abraham, the souls of my grandma, my grandpa, your, whoever, your, your family members that are dead in Christ, that are with the Lord, that body will rise because it says that those that are in Christ, right? So what happens first is those that are dead, the dead body will meet the soul that's up in heaven and they'll come together and boom, in a twinkling of an eye, their bodies will be restored. And now the perfection of Abraham will be complete. He's waiting for his body to come back with his soul so he can have a supernatural body. The resurrected body that Jesus Christ have, he will have the perfect body, the perfect resurrected body that Jesus Christ had. Abraham's soul and spirit are waiting for that. And it's not going to happen. And my grandmother and my grandfather and all the people that are in Christ, that died in your family in Christ, they're waiting for the res for the. First are the return of Christ, for the second are for their resurrected body. Why? For the third are, for the restoration of the universe. The complete and total restoration of the universe. Coach, what do you mean by that? When that happens, God will deal with Satan and he will separate the goats from the sheep. He will separate those that are in Christ and those that are not. And there will be a separation of good from evil. And the evil will be placed, all of evil. All those that did not accept Christ, all those that rejected Christ, all those that are in evil, all of the depraved minds, all of that, they will, along with the demons, all those that rebelled in heaven and that rebelled on the earth, all of those individuals will be placed in a container called hell. Never to leave and to be tortured forever. And once he separates good from evil, he will create a restoration of a new heaven and a new earth with Christ in complete and total charge, reigning all of it with our resurrected bodies. Is that just like, it's unbelievable, is it not? That is what all the saints are waiting for. That's what everyone in heaven is waiting for. They're waiting for that moment. When that moment happens, it will be epic. Don't talk about no multiverse or Marvel stuff. That's nothing compared to what the Lord's going to do. It's going to be unbelievable. So they have not received all that's been promised to them. 
They're waiting for their resurrected bodies. They're waiting for the return of Christ so they can have the resurrected bodies. And they're waiting for Christ to restore everything. And then in that restored new heaven and new earth, with our restored bodies, we will be there as Christ rules the universe in perfection. Could you give him a praise offering for that? Hear me. This is why. This is why. <laughs> Reject Jesus? Kill me. I'm not going to reject Christ. Kill me. Torture me or, or torture me. Cut me in half or deny Jesus. Cut me in half. That's an easy, that's an easy trade. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say, you know what, so I can protect myself. No, no. I, I want what's waiting for me in heaven and what I'll be in heaven waiting for those three R's to happen. So let's read scripture to help you understand this, right? All right, so here's going back to Hebrews. Those people that died, those that were tortured, they were too good for this world. Truth. They wandered over deserts and mountains. They hid in caves and holes in the ground. All of these people earned a good reputation through their faith, right? Because of their faith. Yet none of them, and here it is, none of them received all that God had promised. And there it is. Because they're waiting for those three things that haven't happened yet that will happen. And then here's verse 40. For God has something better in mind for us. That is a truth. Somebody say amen to that. God has something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Time out. There we are. You know what they are? They're at the table waiting for us to join them so they could all eat together. They're waiting. So in the middle of that, they're cheering us. Like, come on. Come on, Joe. Come on, Cindy. Come on, John. Come on, Marie. Whoever it is, whoever you are, come on. Hang in there. Stay in it, Junior. Stay in that fight. Come on, Frank. Stay there. Rudy, don't give up. We're there for you. Patrick, hang in there. I see you. Don't let your emotions get in the way. Don't lose the truth and don't forget the facts that it's going to be tough sometimes, Johnny. You're going to struggle sometimes, Dwayne. Teresa's not always going to be right. It's not always going to be perfect. But don't lose your faith because what's waiting for you is greater than what you're dealing with right now. They're waiting. They're just waiting for all of us to be under one roof. They're waiting for all of us to be under heaven. And that is my hope and that is my faith and that is my love. And that is what needs to be your hope and your faith. And that is what needs to be your love. Junior, if you could come up and play something. Woo. You've been blessed by the series of faith. I have. It's hard for me to talk about the last truth on the series of faith because this is hard for me. Because it's like, this is, this is what my father taught me. My, my father and my mother both are people of faith. And I'm glad they're people of faith. Because they have taught me their faith. And I learned to walk in faith. I've learned not to walk by sight. I've learned not to walk by feelings. I've learned not to walk in fear. I've learned not to walk in frustration. I've learned not to walk in failure. I've learned to walk in faith. And it's that faith that gives me the strength to hold on to what I hope for. Truth number three. I took a picture of Dwayne, and Dwayne let me use 
So I appreciate it. Hey, <laughs> woke <laughs> <laughs> Teresa's dreams too. <laughs> Ouch. I can't believe I just said that. That's, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. See what happens when the lights are on? I'm just joking. I can see everyone. Truth number three. I love this picture, okay, because I'm, I'm a coach. And as I train players, this is the mindset I want all my players to have. Look, you, you, you have to train in difficulty. You're not going to train in ease. I'm not going to make it easier for you. I'm going to make it tougher for you, just like the soldiers do. And, and what you're going to learn is you're going to train. You're going to find several things about training. Is it's no fun sometimes. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to win all the time. But it will bring out the best in you and the worst in you. It will bring both. I've said this many times. If you like your trainer, you've got to fire your trainer. You need a trainer you don't like. Like, I hate you right now. I just wish you would just get hurt because I'm getting hurt by it. And I'm paying you to do this to me. Right? Your trainer's going to push you outside of your comfort zone. Faith is going to teach you how to live. So I'm going to give you four observations, and then I'll finish with faith, and next week we'll start with wisdom. One, the first observation that I'll teach you that we've learned about faith is this. Faith looks to Jesus. Don't look to the church. Don't look to the pastor. Don't look to the worship leader. Don't look to your husband. Don't look to your father. Don't look to your mother. Don't look to your oldest brother or oldest sister. That's not where you're going to find your peace. Your peace is going to be found in Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's where your faith is. Because it's Jesus, it's his return that will resurrect your body and it's his return that will restore the universe. It's all found in Christ, not in anyone else. Two, Jesus is more than our example. He's more than our example. Jesus is our founder and our perfecter. Jesus is more than our example. He's our founder and our perfecter. What does that mean? Hmm. So a founder is someone that starts something, that initiates it. So Jesus initiates. He starts our faith. Jesus is the one that that, um, he forms your faith inside of you. That's what Jesus does. He forms your faith inside of you. He he opens your eyes. He awakens your spirit. He brings his spirit into your spirit. He shines his light inside of your heart. It's Jesus that initiates it. Jesus starts your faith. But he also completes your faith. The rest of your life here on this earth, Jesus starts your faith. He puts it in you. And the rest of your life, Jesus is going to work to complete your faith. The rest of your life. Don't think that once you accept Jesus, man, it's going to be easy. I told you that earlier, right? And don't think that just because you accept Jesus, your faith is going to be perfect. He's going to keep perfecting your faith. I want you to think about all these heroes that we just talked about. 
They, didn't, they weren't perfect once they received their faith. They grew in their faith. And your responsibility to your life, to your family, to, to your friends, to your circle of life and circle of friends is you need to continue to grow your faith so they can see your faith grow in you. And then maybe God can use your faith to grow their faith and learn about it. It doesn't mean you're, you're not going to fall. It doesn't mean you're not going to fail. It doesn't mean you're not going to be frustrated. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to deal with feelings the rest of your life. Think about, think about all these people that we talked about, all these heroes of faith. Abraham, the father of faith, he lied about his wife. Rahab, she was a prostitute, but she was a, her a heroine of faith. You, you look at David. David lied. David, David committed adultery. David committed murder. He, he wasn't perfect. But his faith continued to grow. Jesus, who started the work in you, he'll complete it. And he'll finish it. So if you take a step backwards, okay, they did too. But hold on to your faith. Keep moving forward. Because he will one day completed. The third observation I want to leave with you is this. Jesus will strengthen you to endure. He'll give you a strength so you can endure the battle and the conflict that you're going to face. You know what we do? When the battle gets too tough in our strength, we complain we cry or we quit. It's too hard. It's too hard. You're going to cry, complain, or quit. That's what, that's what our nature is. Our nature is to walk away from things that are difficult. But Jesus will give you the strength to endure. How does he do that? Because this faith that Jesus initiates from you, initiates in you, comes from him. See, this is the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is in you, now the Holy Spirit will give you what you don't have. You will receive from Jesus what you can't create yourself. So now I will have an endurance that I didn't have, but that Jesus has. I will have a strength that I didn't have, but through the Holy Spirit that's, that I'm connected to Christ, in Christ, I will have the strength I didn't have. In Christ, I will now have a righteousness that I couldn't create. In Christ, I will now have a peace that I could never have because it's in Christ. See, that's the wonderful thing about being a believer. It's in Christ that he gives you his attributes and he gives them to you through the Holy Spirit. He says this in John chapter 15 where he says, I am the vine and you are the, you're the branch. You're the branch. What does that mean? So my nutrients are your nutrients. My roots are your roots. My DNA is your DNA. So my righteousness is yours. My strength is yours. My peace is yours. My endurance is yours. You're just quitting because you just don't want to do it anymore, but you have the strength in me. You just would rather quit. And I'm not going to let you. And your brothers and sisters here are not going to let you. Because that's not what God has in store for you. Ooh, man. That's a lot. I don't want to stop. I wish this could go on forever. About faith.
we'll teach wisdom next week. The final thing I'll tell you is this. Jesus will bring you a glorious reward. He'll give you something that's beyond your imagination. If you knew what you had, if you knew what you had, you would cry less, you would complain less, and you would quit less. So I challenge you to don't quit. Just because your hope, just because what you hoped for didn't happen today, don't let the prize of today in this world stop you from what God has in store for you and all the treasures he has for you up in heaven. Don't make that trade. Don't make that trade. Scripture. And then we're going to worship the Lord. Has this been a blessing to you? It blessed me the whole time. Give God a praise offer for that. Father, we love you. So this is possibly what my life verse, one of my life verses in the Bible that I love. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. But after I've taken the whole church for 11 weeks through Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 12 makes a whole lot more sense. So here's what it says. Therefore, this is the truth, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. Time out. To the life of faith. Who is this huge crowd? Those that are in heaven waiting for you so they can all eat together. So now when I'm walking in faith and I'm living my life in faith, Abraham is watching me. Moses is watching you. Rahab is encouraging you. That crowd is going, come on, come on. Look, you're not alone. I'm all alone. You're not alone. We're waiting for you. You're not alone because when you get to the table and everybody gets to the table, we get to celebrate. So come on, even though we're celebrating now, there's still another level that we're waiting for. So don't quit. Don't stop. Don't shut it down. Stop complaining and crying. If you knew what you had, we know what you're going to have, and we're still waiting for something else. Since that huge crowd is watching you, here's a command. Let's get rid of or strip everything that slows you down. You're quitting because you're, you're expecting everything to happen here on this earth that you're going to get in heaven. So stop quitting. You're carrying more than you should. You're doing things that you shouldn't do. Get rid of those things. Two, especially the sin that so easily trips you up. There's a sin that you're doing right now that it might feel good for a second or good for an hour or good for a week or good overnight, but it's ruining your life. Get rid of that. That's what, the, that's what they're telling you. And that's what God is telling you through the Holy Spirit. Come on, don't give up, don't let up. And run with endurance. The race that who has set before you? God has set before you. God has said, you're running this race with that man or that woman, with that child. You're running this race with that career. I've put you here. I've put you in that room. Stop running away from the place I told you to run to. You're Jonah. You're running away and I'm ruining everything because you're running away. Get back where you need to be. Get back where you belong. Get back where I placed you. And let the people up in heaven cheer for you. Ooh, it's a lot. Verse two. So how do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Who's the champion? 
who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, see, Jesus looked at the heavens. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then, when you think of that, you won't become weary and you won't give up. And amen goes there. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your truth. I'm full. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us what we can't create. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us a faith that doesn't remove our pain, but gives us strength in the midst of our pain, that helps us endure in the middle of our struggles. And more importantly, God, thank you. The church and the heavens await for your return. We await for our resurrected bodies. We await for the redeemed universe. Whenever we think our life is bad or whenever we think we're struggling with something, remind us of what we have in you. Give us that strength. Lord, now as we come together, I pray that as we worship and as we pick up offering, that we understand that this is a form of worship. Giving is a form of worship. Just as we sing and just as we glorify you, all of that is the same. And help us to do that today, Lord. I pray for everyone who can give and those who can't, that you bless them to where one day they'll be able to give. We never want to ask people to give out of guilt. That's not generosity. That's being coerced. Lord, you place in their hearts what they should give. And may they honor you by listening to you and obeying you. Whatever is, it's between them and you, not between the church. Between them and you, bless them. And bless this next song as we're about to sing. May we glorify you. In Jesus' name.